0: My name's Peter, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Harvest, and just want to welcome you and say glad to have you here on this beautiful, sunny, warm day. How many of you guys found the chilly air a little bit intense out there this morning? Uh, I did. And um, we are uh, in a series called Jesus, and it's a a five-part series, and really just trying to look at... Um, Jesus in, uh, in kind of a different vantage point in some ways of just how we relate to Jesus. Sometimes we can preach messages or talk about things and we make everything seem so far away or so distant. Um, But really how Jesus is here and now in our lives And so we started it out with Jesus the son And uh, not just being the son of God But actually being a son Now how many parents are in here And actually whether you are a parent or not So this could even be a kid um, How many of you guys would know that it would be messy Slash a tad bit awkward to be the parent of Jesus Christ (laughs) Be a little weird um, now, I don't know any of you grow up in a family, whether you had siblings or you had cousins or you had friends, but you felt like you were not treated at the same degree that they were in. Everyone else got special treatment. All my kids raise your hands because you guys all tell me that every day that that's the case. You know, think of being the sibling of Jesus Christ. It's messy, it, it's, it's awkward um, You even have where Jesus starts stepping into his call And there's like a, you know, his family's like What are you doing with this? And, ah, be careful, don't do that And, you know, he's having to say Like even as a young boy um, In a sense, ditching his parents I remember hiding uh, When I was a kid, we used to always go to Joanne Fabrics Man, I tell you what Nothing makes a young boy just feel exhilarated Like the fabric store So what do you do is you figure out ways to, they always had like all the, what do you call the big thing of fabric? Bull? Bolt? Like a bolt that you put in something? Nice. Okay. So you you have the bolt of fabrics, but they were all around and you could hide inside of those. Um, And so... My siblings and I would have fun doing that But sometimes you would get in trouble You know what I mean? Or at the grocery store And you're trying to hop over all the dark squares Or, you know, avoid, you know, the blue ones Or the gray ones Or the light, whatever it is And you're hopping over them And you're running all over the place And you're getting lost Well, when when his parents come and find him He doesn't, you know, apologize and say Oh, I'm so sorry, you're right I know you've told me a whole bunch of times Never leave you You know, always stay by your side He says, didn't you know, you know I'd be with my father. It'd be about my father's business. And I was in the temple just telling everybody everything that I know. And there was, so it was messy. It was different. Then you had Jesus, the rabbi, and um, just kind of hearing the story of what it was like to be a rabbi then, but also what um, any, as like a a young man, what they were taught in, in the culture of that time, how much education they were given. I mean... You know, they had to memorize the whole Torah. I I struggle with John 3.16 myself. And uh, now that we have 5 million different versions, and you definitely can't get it right because you're not hearing the same, you know, verse repeated in the same words all the time. But they memorized so much and all the training, but also what it meant to be a disciple and to actually follow someone and to... You, you were, you know, it talks about being in their dust and wanting to be that close to them that you were learning the way they moved, the way they thought, the way they talked. And Bob shared about how following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. And he made the correlation to losing weight. Uh, how many of you have ever gone on a diet? I'm not saying you need to right now, I'm just saying that at some point in your life, you thought of going on a diet and, and Bob shared how you know uh, dieting is simple but not easy and it's really simple there's there's two factors to dieting you eat less and you move more right and uh, we come up with all these ways to complicate that and make it hard but there's probably two things that aren't much harder than eating less and moving more uh, I don't naturally want to do that so then last week we went into Jesus' friend, and uh, Isaac asked the question, do you have enough faith to be a friend of Jesus? Do you have enough faith to actually put yourself and to accept his love for you and to accept uh, what he wants to do in your life and to draw close to him? Or do we keep him off to a distance? So today we're going to do Jesus' lamb. Next week is Jesus' risen. Um, The risen part kind of correlates with Easter. If you didn't know, today is Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter. So Jesus lamb, he was the sacrificial lamb. And so we're kind of dividing these two. And a lot of times on Easter, many times we can kind of skip over the Good Friday kind of message and we go to Easter and it's almost like Easter Sunday is where we celebrate uh, Jesus's the salvation we have in Christ. When really Easter Sunday, what we're really celebrating is that Jesus overcame Death and he overcame the grave. Jesus didn't rise again for my sins. Right? No, he died for my sins. And and he he went through all of that for my selfishness and 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 that. And so that's what we kind of want to focus on today, is separating those two. Of uh, what Christ did the, the penalty he paid for our sins and But there's a celebration in that and, and many times you know in a Good Friday Service the lights would be a lot dimmer And we would try to play a lot Of depressing songs and we Just have to be kind of sober now I deal with death a lot and So I kind of have dealt with it ever since I was a kid with humor um, That really doesn't have anything to do with what I'm About to say I just felt like I needed to confess that um, but the, the thing is, is that we still have something to celebrate. So, yes, I need to know that what I have done in my choices, mine alone, there's a soberness to know that I put Jesus on that cross myself. Now, I have my opinion of what you've done, but I'm going to leave that for you to decide. But I know I alone put Jesus on the cross. And so there's a soberness to know that I caused somebody to have to go through that because of how selfish I am. um, My bad moods, my anger, um, my perversion, uh, my just anything that I've done that I've, I've put him on the cross. So how can I celebrate? Well, I can celebrate, though. It's kind of a tension between the two because he did it and he saved me. So there is a celebration there that I have been saved. So we're going to look at that. And as we do, question to consider. So this is just something to keep in your mind as we go through this. Is what or whose debt that Jesus covered at the cross do you struggle to accept? So what, thinking about what in our life, what things or whose So maybe other people, debt that Jesus covered, it's not if he covered it, it's that he covered at the cross, do each of us struggle to accept? So that's kind of what we're looking at here. Now, uh, today is Palm Sunday, if you didn't know that. Um, And it's called Palm Sunday because it's a day when it, it... Remembers when Jesus was coming into town and they were waving palm branches and they were declaring how happy they were that their Savior, their King, was entering. Now they were looking at him to be entering. To save them from government, to save them from that, and to overthrow the Romans is what they were really looking at. And as we go through what we call like the the Passover week, then we have um, where he gets tried. We have Good Friday where Christ died, and then we celebrate Easter, which is the resurrection of Christ. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 52, towards the end, and then in chapter 53, this is written around 700 years Before Jesus walked the earth was a prophecy of what was going to take place. And uh, remember that as the video said and that what they were looking for was someone to come solve them of their problems external to come solve them and to save them from all the people that bothered them from all the people that oppressed them. It was an idea about I need to be saved from myself. But you and I each, we need to be saved from ourselves. And God's much more concerned with who I am inside and what's going on inside of me than he is on protecting me from something external. He wants to save me from who I am. So here in and I'm gonna, this is going to be read quite a few verses here in uh, starting in uh, chapter 52, verse 13. See, my servant will prosper He will be highly exalted, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised And we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Of us all, every single one of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was laid like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin... He will give many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. For many to be counted righteous, He will bear all of their sins for many to be counted righteous. He will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. So that was written 700 years prior. And that's exactly what Jesus went through. One of my favorite verses is in Mark chapter 15, verse 38. This is at the end when Jesus dies. And it says, in the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So what's the big deal about tearing? And I don't know if you read in the in the Bible. There's many times where different people they were upset that either like a family member died or some of the, the religious leaders of the day were so upset with what Jesus said that they tore their clothes. And I, I don't know. I've, I've never I've gotten pretty darn upset at my wife at times. Um, all my fault. I claim it. It's all my fault. And uh, and I've gotten upset at other people. I just have never been tempted just to like grab my clothes and just like tear them off in my anguish but there was something about the tearing of this curtain because it wasn't just the tearing of fabric it was that this curtain represented the presence of God was inside of it so you had a tent and then you had a temple and inside it only a few people could go in and then even fewer people could go through the curtain into the presence of God But the tearing of this signified That now Christ wasn't just inviting us all in And saying I want you to come in too It's not just for a select few people But he was also saying Not only No longer are you going to come to the temple You are the temple No longer are you going to come to my presence My presence is going to dwell inside of you And there is It's one of the most powerful things for me to think about that, that through what Christ did, that it shifted that in our life. I know you guys drive up to this place and as you hit Northwest Ninth Avenue and you look over your shoulder as you're about to turn into the parking lot, you just see a glorious building. And you're like, ooh, the architecture. I mean, what they're gonna say about this museum of art, you know, a thousand years from now. People will tour to Hazel Dell, Washington to see the architecture, the, the nice 90 degree angles and 45 degree angles of square concrete block. This building isn't the temple. It's not the presence of God. And how cool that is that we don't have to come here for that, but that God not only is inviting us in and saying, now not only do a select few people, but I want all of you, but I'm actually going to come to you and put myself in you. So what did Jesus take to the cross? That's a question for us is what what did he actually take to the cross? Because sometimes we can I know I can struggle where there's certain things that I believe he took to the cross and then there's other things that I don't. The answer is everything. In First John 1 9 it says but we confess our sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness problem is so many times i don't believe it and there's different reasons one so some questions on that is what do you still find difficult to forgive yourself for what is it that you did in your past maybe it was an action maybe it was a thought maybe whatever it was that you still to this day struggle to forgive yourself for The reason we struggle to forgive ourselves is because we struggle to believe that Jesus took it to the cross. I can see that he took this to the cross for me, and I can see that he took this to the cross for me. But I don't know. I don't think he could have taken this. But he took it all. He took it all. Every single thing. He sees it. He knows it. We don't have to hide it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So he didn't take it to the cross because we did something good. It's by his grace. So what do you still find difficult to forgive yourself for? Another one, where are you trying to manage your sin on your own? Where you make mistakes and you're managing it on your own apart from the knowledge that Christ has already paid your debt. Maybe you've got something going on in your life right now, and you're trying to still cover it. You're still trying to take care of it, hide it, deal with it, correct it, uh, whatever. But Christ already took care of it for you. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Last question here. What group of people do you judge and feel like you have more truth than? So maybe you totally accept Jesus's grace in your life, in his forgiveness for what you've done. But that person that abused you when you were young, that person that cheated, cheated you out of something, that person that took advantage of you, that person that just spoke death over you over and over, Those, those kids that used to mock you when you were younger, whatever it is, where we accept the forgiveness of Jesus for us, but we struggle to believe that Jesus also died for them. And so then we believe we go back almost like that verse said, it's not for our good works, but we start to actually think it is because I didn't do that to somebody I'm forgiven, but there's no way that person can be forgiven. First John 2 two, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world, all the world. Now, the word sin, sometimes we can we say that in the church and it simply just means missing the mark. Means not, you know, if you're aiming uh, uh, at a target, you're trying to throw something. How many of you ever been to a carnival and you wanted to win that teddy bear and you just wanted to throw the the football or the baseball through the hole? Right. And it's missing the mark is a sin. And so God has called us in a certain direction, but we can we can tend to, to miss it. And we start to veer off and we go different directions. Maybe you've been driving and you start to look at your phone. I know no one in here does that because you have your phone set to silent when you're when it senses motion like that. But you slowly realize you start drifting. All of a sudden you can hear, you know, your tire hitting it. You're missing the mark. That's what sin is, is it's us missing the mark. And every time we miss the mark, Christ has paid the penalty for that. So it is a free gift But to accept the gift We have to accept it fully So I got this shirt as a gift It's pretty nice, isn't it? Um, And yes, it purposely only has one pocket And the gift actually came from myself I bought the shirt for myself But to accept the gift I have to actually be willing to say, unwrap it. Kids, how many of you guys have ever, and adults possibly, I had some adults confess to this in the previous service. How many of you, Ezra, you already got your hand up, I appreciate that confession. It's just like, yes, I have. Whatever it is, I've done it. (laughs) How many of you have ever snuck around at Christmas time or around your birthday and actually tried to open the wrapping paper to look in at the gift a little prematurely, okay? you carry your tape with you and you retape it up. You know, to accept a gift, we have to go beyond that. We have to then unwrap it completely. We then have to open the package that it's in. And then we have to embrace the gift itself. So if I got this shirt say from someone else besides myself because I didn't wrap it for myself, but I can't just put on like say one sleeve. And then say that I've accepted the gift. Well, I've accepted this one part, but I, I, I'm not good enough for the left sleeve. I believe that I was given the right sleeve. I believe that, 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 that the gift giver loves me enough for that. But I don't think I've earned the left side of the shirt yet. So I'm walking around with it. And it sounds silly and it sounds stupid, but that's what you and I do all the time with God's grace. Whether I'm not wearing it because maybe this sleeve is something I did. Maybe this sleeve is something that I'm thinking right now or something I'm struggling with. Or maybe this sleeve is the person sitting next to you. Maybe this sleeve is, is someone from your past. But I'm only accepting part of the gift. Because I don't believe that God is good enough for the other part. Does that make sense? We got to unwrap the whole thing and believe that he gave us the whole thing. So if you look at this question to consider, what, what in your own life or whose debt that Jesus covered at the cross do you struggle to accept? And our worship team, you guys can come up. Here in a minute, we're going to kind of, the team's going to play two songs and in front of you, if there's some left, there should be, if not just grab any card that's in front of you, there should be some three by five cards in the seats in front of you. And we're going to go into a time of response and that's why the light's just dimmed. Okay. It's not emotional manipulation, but it is. The idea is to get you to think and not be distracted by those around you and just to write down what it is and where in your own life you struggle to either forgive yourself or others. And then you write that down and then you're going to bring it up and you're going to put it in these, these little glass vases and we're not going to read them later, we'll destroy them. Do you have to do that to let go of it? No, you don't. You do not have to write on the paper to let go of it. It's just an action. And you definitely do not have to walk up to do it. But it does, it's symbolic. It's symbolic. I married my wife, I don't have to wear a ring I don't have to tell her that I love her I don't have to go on dates with her But it's symbolic of the relationship I want to have with her And there is something about when we take action It's like when we raise our hand And say yes, it's like Ezra over there I say has anyone And he's like yes I have Okay, he take, He's taking action There's something about taking action But for you to come And you put it in here And then we're going to take communion and we're going to seal it. Because communion is remembering what Christ did. We do it in remembrance. That was the command. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did. But to remember is really to accept it and to embrace it. But how can we embrace it if we're only wearing one sleeve? If we're only wearing part of it? So you can ask yourself these questions. Who are you struggling to forgive? Kind of who do you hold hardness in your heart towards? What do you still find difficult to forgive yourself for? Maybe a, a big past sin, maybe a current failing that you have. What group, this is a big one, what group of people do you judge and feel like you have more truth than? Millennials versus Boomers. All the Gen Xers says, amen. (laughs) Conservatives, progressive Christians, racial groups, women and men, uh, whatever you want to put up there. But it's so easy for us to say a segment, and that's exactly what they did in Jesus's day. Is a certain group of people thought they were holier than everyone else because of what they did. But scripture clearly says that it's not about what we did. It's what he did on that cross. It doesn't matter how many times I show up in this building. It doesn't matter how many times I read this book. It doesn't matter how many times I get down on my knees and I pray. It doesn't matter how straight my hands are when I worship. What matters is have I said, Jesus, I accept your gift in my life. And then in that acceptance, the fruit of that acceptance is how I go and I accept the gift in your life. And do I treat you with the same love and the same forgiveness that God treats me? And if I'm struggling with treating you that way, then I got to begin to look at how do I approach the cross? And am I approaching it with acceptance? Because most likely if I'm struggling to forgive myself, if I'm struggling um, uh, something difficult, if if I'm judging others then there's something that's messed up between me and Christ. The last one, are you trying to manage your sin on your own, apart from the knowledge that Christ has already paid your debt? Maybe anger towards your kids. Kids, close your eyes. Bow your heads. Parents, no, I'm not going to do that. Bitterness towards your spouse. Just keep your eyes focused forward. They don't need to know that you feel that way. Maybe a friend or a boss, maybe it's porn, maybe it's sexuality, maybe it's pride. What is it that you're trying to figure out on your own instead of bringing it to the cross? You don't have to answer every one of these and you don't even have to answer these. I just ask that you ask Holy Spirit as we go into this song, just what is getting in the way of me accepting the full grace, the full forgiveness, the full love of who Jesus is? Ask Holy Spirit to show you in what way. And then just when you feel ready, you can write that down and you can come put it in here. Just as an act of God, I'm going to let go of this once and for all. Man, at the first service, it just hit me. I started writing down some things I didn't even think I was going to write down. I thought maybe I would have one. All of a sudden, all these things just start popping in my head. I felt stupid. I felt silly. I almost wanted to take a picture of the paper since I was going to be dropping it off so I could remember what I wrote down, but I thought, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of why I'm writing on the paper and putting it in there in the first place. I'm like letting go of it. Why would I want to have a memorial of what I gave up? God wants us to let go of it. Too many times we're carrying a backpack full of rocks of memories, of things that we've done or things others have done to us or our judgments of people that we see, and we just haul that around. Today, we have an opportunity, as we remember his goodness, to let go of that backpack, to walk a little freer, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Then uh, as you go out today at the end, so we're gonna write this down. We're going to take communion and we're going to seal it. We're going to do it as a step of faith. I ask you to not just hear the communion message as you've always heard it before, but hear it anew. Let it sink in in a different way. Listen to the words. Then you're going to be given a cross as you go out. And uh, I'm not asking that you hold this for the rest of your life in your pocket. If you want to, you can. But I do ask that this week you hold on to it. Put it in your bag, your purse. Whatever, wear it in your hat, put in your pocket, have it in your car, put it somewhere where you're going to, you're going to have to interact with it a lot this week. And every time you do just remind yourself that Jesus paid the ransom, the penalty for everything you've ever done, everything that you have going on in your life right now, where you're failing. Not only that, he paid it for everyone. That neighbor you can't stand, that political party that you get so frustrated with, that, that, uh, that group of people, that organization that you just think is so far off to the other side and against everything you stand for. They are just as much Jesus, God's sons and daughters as you and I are. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have grandchildren. He loves each and every single one of us. I want to close with this blessing. This is in Numbers chapter six. It's called the priestly blessing. I read it last night. We did a, like a little family Seder dinner. And I don't know, it just, it hit me. And here this last year or something like that, there was a song that came out about it. And um, it was kind of funny because then they made a little meme about who's going to pay all the debts. And it's your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and all this stuff. But that has nothing to do with this. Verse 22, then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. Man, I believe you need to hear these words because it's so easy for us to think I'm not blessed. Or for us to think I'm not good enough. My life isn't all together right now. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Come on. May the Lord bless you. Believe it. He wants to bless you. And that's not just financially. We hear blessing. We think money. He wants to bless you. He wants to fill you with his, just the wealth of of life, with joy, with hope, and protect you. May the Lord smile on you. He loves you. Man, there's something powerful about a smile. And be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.